Welcome to Up the Blues, the Waterford FC podcast. I am Adam Rundy, joined as always by my co-hosts Martin Cullerton and Evan Cullerton. Lads, how's it going? How are we getting on? Well, Adam, how are you? I'm excellent, pal. Thank you very much for asking. Martin said nothing. I said I'd leave Evan. I'd leave Evan to just Evan asking where we are. Not, normally doesn't leave anyone talk, so I just thought he was just gonna take the fold there, but look. Oh, that's harsh. That that's... is harsh. You literally just told me I need to talk about this play again. That's poor for <laughs> you. That's um that poor, poor poor Evan, you're a bit poorly, is that right? Ah, sure. I'll soldier on there. You won't hear me complain about it, let's <laughs> that a dig that's at a, me. That's a first. <laughs> that sounds like a dig at me. <laughs> I go on to everyone this evening, though. <laughs> Uh, so obviously, similar to the last episode we did, we're going to be touching on on two games. Just obviously the way all the fixtures have been falling, sort of fast and loose. Uh, we're going to be covering two games on this episode: uh, the away game uh, against Bray uh, from the twenty eighth, and then the the home game at the RSC against Wexford. They are just on the bank holiday Monday. Uh, two very different results, two different performances. Um, probably different things to say really on both of them. But obviously, we're going to start with Bray. Uh, 2-1 win away from home Um, pretty, pretty good result I think like this was one of the ones that when we were doing our kind of big review of the sort of five games that were coming up very sort of close together you know this was one that we thought maybe we might slip and only get a draw or something so coming away um, you know from Bray with a win was good obviously I know they were down a man but uh, what, what did you think of the performances lads? Yeah, it was, it was, look, the first half wasn't the best, a little bit to be desired, to be fair. But what we've seen previously from the team, uh, even just this season, is that the team often, when they go down already, or, you know, they're the one losing in the first, kind of, you know, at the start, they end up just kind of getting complacent. And there's almost no driving them to try and either get the equaliser or, or get a winner. Um, and it was nice to see that it didn't happen in this game. You know, they went down 1 0 in the third minute. Um, off, uh, you know, from a goal that Bray scored off corner, and when the first half, like I said, left a little bit to be desired, they kind of went in and came out as an entirely different team in the second half, um, and played some fantastic football, which led to two lovely goals from Ronan, um, which you know ended up getting us the win away from home, which is something that we maybe didn't expect when you see the team go down that early. They kind of tend to get a little bit disheartened, like I was saying. So, uh. Like it wasn't the most glamorous or, or you know, I suppose sexy football to say what Roy Keane once said, but um, you know, it, it got the job done. It was definitely efficient in the second half, and that's all that matter. I suppose, like with sort of nature coming back, and uh, you know, and getting the win out of it, digging out a result, it, it did obviously all you know kick off after Bray had a man sent off, which maybe felt a little bit sort of poetic when. You look at the reverse fixture when we had uh, Chris Con Clark, Chris Con Clark sent off. You know, after we were ahead and and Bray came back and luckily they only got a draw at that stage. Um, we, we got the win. Um, but like you said, it's always even when you have a man advantage, you still have to put the work in. Like Bray had to work very hard to get their two goals when we were a man down. You know, when they played us at the RSC, you know, a couple of weeks back, they had to work very hard for that result, even though we had a man down. So sometimes in football, having 10 men or, or playing against 10 men can almost be a bit of a crutch because teams tend to sort of just go on the defensive, go into flat back of four, hit you on the counter attack. Um, so being able to grind out and get and get two goals 
um, is a, you know, says, says good about the lad's attitude coming out into that second half and wanting to get a result, knowing that there was a result to get once, especially once the red card happened. I think it was less than 10 minutes into the second half. Anyway, it was fairly early in the second half. So uh, being able to grind out and get those couple of goals. Yeah. So, you know, not not a not a whole not as much time as you would think, you know, to come back and, and, and do a full comeback. So uh fair play to the lads and obviously fair play to Ronan, you know, cracking in another two goals. What was that, his ninth goal in three games? Something crazy like that. Yeah. Nine and three. Uh, mental men, mental stats like it's just he's, he's scoring like he's he, like we've been saying for weeks now, he's scoring like this division is too easy for him. Um Obviously, it was a lovely assist for the second goal um, from the podcast's favourite left-back, Ryan Burke, um, who who we missed in the next game we're going to talk about. But thought you were going to uh, say me, though, Adam. No, sorry, pal. Sec- you're a second favourite. Um, uh, but look, the, the results, the three points, what matters, yeah, they had a, you know, they went down to 10 men, but, you know, we still had to grind out the result and get the goals, and that's what we got. Yeah, no, you could predict how they'd score because I feel like the only way to score this season is off the, the big centre half they have. And let's be fair, like he has five, after looking them up, he has five goals from centre half in 11 games. Like, that's fairly ridiculous. I don't know about G, I haven't seen numbers like that from centre half in a while. Yeah, it's very prolific uh, from a set piece, which is uh, obviously an area that we're not necessarily strong at defending either. So it seemed almost inevitable that we were going to give one up. Um, you know, from a corner or a free kicker, or you know, from from himself, because it's not exactly our strongest suit as defending set pieces as we've seen this season a few times. So after you know those three points again, sort of, we're we're trying desperately to close down that gap with, with Galway. You know, it was good to get another three points. Kind of the worst case scenario then happened. Then just just Monday gone. Uh, so we're recording on on Tuesday. So uh, literally yesterday at the time of recording. Um, back at home in the in the RSC against Wexford Town, no team we'd already bet three 0 first game of the season, and then we I don't I don't even know where to start with the performance really. Um, I don't know if it's a case where just the amount of games in such a quick amount of time was catching up on the lads, but everything just looked lazy, lethargic. There was lads on that pitch who could barely even pass the ball. You know there was. It was it was an absolutely insane performance in the worst possible way. I couldn't really believe it. I was watching. Yeah, it was it was sloppy, really, wasn't it? And like you're saying, it was. It, I think it really came down to who wanted it more. And on you know on the day, it was definitely Wexford. And now look, I think it was a cheap goal to concede. You know, a, a corner in and a header off, but you know, poorly marked. But. You know, it was an early goal. There was no reason that we shouldn't have been, you know, we had plenty of time to kind of bring ourselves back. You know, you know, they had the basically the full match to bring ourselves back. And couldn't do it. You know, there was, it was sloppy. Nobody was really bringing the ball forward. They tried to bring the ball up the wings a couple of times and it was, you know, a lot of the time really. But it was always just kind of shot, you know, stopped straight away. The wings were fairly locked down. Um, it was kind of similar, I think, more so to the, the match against Kerry. You know, and, you might remember I was kind of very frustrated with that match against Kerry because it was really not part of us, but it was really, you know, maybe ultra defensive to an extent and kind of waste time. And that's what they came to do. And they, they executed it fantastic. 
Wexford kind of done the same to an extent. You know, Waterford have been, you know, as I say, a force to be reckoned with. They have been dangerous on the attack in the, in the matches leading up to it. Wexford knew they had to come down and defend. And, you know, they got the lead. That's all they needed was the one goal. It doesn't matter how early it, like, it was. And just defend like mad, really, to make sure they didn't concede. And they done it. They done it well. To be fair, it just showed that they wanted it more. Um, you said it yourself, Adam. You know, if Wexford wanted to score and they wanted to win by two 0 two one, three one, whatever it was, they would have been warding the ball up the pitch, you know, and, and trying to score a couple of times more when they had the chance. And they weren't. You know, the keeper was getting the ball. They would have had maybe two on one if the keeper had got rid of the ball distributed quickly. And they didn't. They held on to it. They kind of slowed things down as much as they could. And it frustrated the lads, I think. Um, you know, like you said, especially coming off the back of three matches very quickly, uh, in the space of seven days, you know, ten matches in four days or four matches in ten days, even. Um, you know, it's it was a poor performance in the lads. Um, I was just gonna say that I'm gonna take full blame for that loss, lads. Uh, I told Martin, <laughs> um, he was like, "Oh, will we get food before the game," and I was like. Yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. And we were running a bit late. So he's like, oh, we'll just get it in the ground. I was like, yeah, grand, no bother. And then we parked the car and I was like, fuck, whenever I get something in the ground, we always lose. And I, I obviously got something in the ground, lads. I'm going to be honest, that was my fault. That's poor form, to be honest with you, Evan. That's actually yeah, fairly, fairly, dis- fairly disgraceful. Uh, carry on. To me, Martin's worse, he's a man of superstition. Very much so. Like he wears the same outfit that every match we go to. And I don't understand that because we've lost matches with him wearing that outfit as well. So yeah, I, I don't know, know what the difference. Like if we were on like a 20 game on beat, it would make sense, but we're not. I know. If you ever see a lad wearing black pants, green runners, and a green jumper, that's normally me, lads. Um, the best part of it is I went over to Clay Davenby on the way down to the match. And he wasn't quite ready when I got to the house. So I went in when he was getting ready. And he took the pants off the clothes horse that were still drying just to put them on for the match. The pants weren't ready to be worn. They weren't dry. They weren't they were dry, lads. Like, they're going to be true. He took them off the clothes horse and threw them on because he had to wear these <laughs> no pants. Wonder you're, no wonder you're sick, Evan. But they, were dry, they were dry. They were there. Like, the last I don't know. You threw on wet pants yesterday and you're sick today. It all just adds up. It was me and Martin. I'm not sick anyway. Don't be you, I'm, Martin. I'm, I'm not sick. I'm speaking ahead at the moment. I know we, we sat right beside you in a, in a cramped stand. So I don't know. I'm, I'm really no escape. Uh, I think it's the pants, pal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what you were saying, Martin, I, I completely agree. It was very clear that once once Wexford got their goal, it was a very annoying goal because I don't think it, it wasn't a corner. I'm pretty sure it was just a cross. No, it was just a cross in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was just a cross in and. You know, it, they really exposed Barry, which I'm not going to slight Barry. He's not a left back. He was forced to play left back because, you know, uh, Ryan got suspended, which, to be honest, I'd rather him miss this match than miss the Galway one at the weekend. Yeah, so practice, I'm again, not, yeah, not going to give out about that. I reckon he probably would have sat out with the game anyway because uh, he didn't want to risk getting suspended before the big match. So that's fair enough. I'm not going to slight anyone for. Uh, you know, slotting in at left back like Barry did. Fair play to him for for doing it. He he, he did okay in a role he's clearly not wholly comfortable with, which is becoming a bit of a trend from the last few weeks since uh, since Keith took over. He's kind of been playing all over the place, but he clearly exposed the back post. It was an easy sort of header in for for Aaron Dobbs in the end. Um, he did, and then, he just got in between the two. Sorry, he just got in between. I think it was uh, 
in between uh, Giles and him and Giles. Yeah, he just ex- yeah and, ex- exploited the space really. Good, good forward play if anything really. Um, you know, he was just doing what what good strikers do, exploiting the space between the center half and the fullback. You're taught that as you're sort of growing into being a striker to exploit that space. He did that. He got his goal. You know, fairly straightforward stuff. Yeah. And then Wexford essentially is parked the bus for the next eighty odd minutes. Um, weren't really interested in scoring more goals. They were happy to let us have possession because for whatever reason, and again, I'm not going to be too harsh on the lads because they've played a lot of football recently and we don't have a big squad, you know, to be able to do proper full rotation. A lot of these lads are playing their fifth game in a row, you know, in a very short space of time. Uh, But genuinely some of the, some of the passing, some of the vision was just chronic. You know, I've never Mm -hmm. seen uh, Dean McMenemy play as bad as he did. Um, just nothing was going right for any of them. Their control was poor. Their passing was poor. You know, they were just trying the same things over and over again, you know, just trying to slip it down the wing and try and get to the byline. And it just, none of it was really working. They had, it's like they had no plan B. And, you know, the definition of insanity is trying to say, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's literally what we, what we had to watch for 80 minutes is them just trying to break down the wing, try to get to the blind line, try and send it across. And it just it just become very clear and very frustratingly, you know, for, for us in the stands that they didn't really have a plan B for when the team was backing up like they were, where they were just going, you know, flat back, you know, two banks of four, no interest in, in playing attacking football at all. And we just had no way of breaking that down. Now, that's not to say we didn't have, uh, you know, some chances. We did have a couple. There was the ball that Barry sent in. He came kind of inverted. He came in and he, he lofted a ball in the first half over to Ronan. It just oh, didn't yeah. catch the volley right. And it went over the bar, you know, something that in his form, you'd think he'd bury it, you know, with, with the football he's been playing. And then there was a couple of other moments in the second half where the ball was just kind of whistled past the far post as it was driven across the goal. So it's not to say we didn't create moments, but I can't I can't say we, we had any clear-cut chances. You know, I would chalk all those up as half chances. Um, now, I think, we... yeah, I think the, the closest we had to decent chances, that one you just mentioned there, was Barry's ball in and Ronan basically just getting it very close to the goal and then sending it over. Yeah. Um, which look, it's in his form. You'd expect him to have that buried, um, you know, any day of the week. But at the same time as well, you know, it's a ball coming in over a man. It's his first. You know, that would have been his first touch shot to bury it, and you know, it could have been a number of factors as well. It's, it's, you know, it's the fact that he might have been direct, I suppose. And I only said it to Evan just before that went in, um, in the first half. Is his condition must be unbelievable because, in fairness to him. You know whether he was finishing his chances or not, the man doesn't stop running. He didn't stop running at any point really in that match. You know he was closing down fellas that he didn't need to close down to an extent, stuff like that. Um, and he's been doing that for the last number of matches for the full ninety minutes for for most of them. So, you know, I suppose exhaustion would play into it. It is, I suppose, just disappointing that, that he didn't bury the chance. But like you said, that is the closest you're getting to it. In fairness, yes. we can't rely on him to just keep scoring goals either. Like of course. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember who the last goal scorer was to be true for Fuji, other than Rose. Uh, Ryan Burke. What? Ryan Burke. Friend of the podcast. Sorry, that's. Um, Ryan Burke had a, you know what I mean, though? 
yeah, I don't, no, I, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. We haven't had anyone score multiple goals since probably Wasim first game of the season. It's probably the last time we had a player score multiple goals. Or and Roland got two, I think, against Finn Harps that that game where we demolished him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finn Harps game was the last. He got one against I think he he kind of says he started off very hot under Keith Long, and he's kind of after fizzling out a small bit. And Connor Parsons, I think, is kind of taking up the kind of player on form role other than one. Which I, I thought he had a great game, Connor Parsons. I don't know about she. He looked like if we were going to score, Just, him. yeah, Connor, he's actually, again, for, for only a few weeks back, you know, I was kind of saying that I don't think he's up to scratch, but he's been really impressive the last few weeks. And especially this game, he looked like, again, Ronan obviously got some chances here or there, but Connor looked like the one who was going to be creating the chances, getting to that byline, being tricky. Uh, you know, it was clear the Wexford defenders were sort of terrified when he was running towards them. Um, so, yeah, I've been very impressed with Connor Parsons. He must have been listening to the podcast and he said, I need to get my performances up or Adam's going to keep slating me. Um, so, uh, yeah, very, very impressed with his with his performance and hopefully he, he keeps that up and, you know, starts getting a few more goals and assists to kind of show for the effort he's putting in, you know, every, you know, the last few games. Oh, yeah, and I will say, actually, in fairness, he is, like you are kind of mentioned, Adam, the closest that we have to maybe an out-and-out winger. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, he's, the game against um, against Bray, away from home, you know, he was dangerous on the wing, uh, you know, at the start. He was very dangerous. Um, you know, kind of getting some balls in, running at men, which he's quite well at doing. Like he's, he's, he's good at trying to work his way up the pitch. Uh, so he's, he's quite good at that as well. Um you know, and he started on the left wing and then he was able to swap out to the right wing as well uh, when a substitution was made and uh, Chris Conclark was brought in and put on the left. And we see that as well, you know, that he was playing kind of different wings. Um, you know, he would have played left in the, uh, against Brain, he was playing right there against um, against Wexford. So he's versatile to that extent, to be fair. Um, and I think the style of football that we're kind of playing under Keith is kind of suited a bit more to maybe what we were playing under Danny. Uh, and that he kind of fits into the team a little bit more, I, I would think. Um, and just that he kind of has a little bit more freedom to take the ball and work his way up the pitch, as opposed to these kind of long balls and trying to work the ball into the, or, you know, just get the ball into the box as soon as uh, that we might have been playing under Danny's I suppose, game plan. Uh, use that term loosely, but um, you know, he was he kind of has he kind of slots into the team a little bit more. I think on that key style of football. Uh, which is really benefiting him and I think will stand to benefit us as well um, in the long run. Uh, another kind of player that didn't play yesterday was Shane Griffin. Um, I, mm. From what I read, I, I, I think he pulled up in the warm-up from what I read in the group. Nice. Um, I saw, I know I saw him walking out onto the bench at the start of the game he was hobbling on so I was like, oh, he's always, he's obviously fairly fucked like. So hopefully that's not too serious because we can tell there's a big difference when he's not there. Um, we were screaming. I thought, I thought the two centre mids were kind of just very similar. There was no real, like, with Barry left back, there was no real kind of um, maybe a ball carrier or kind of a willing pass a striker kind of midfielder to even throw something past that. I think it was too stagnant in the midfield on Monday. I don't know what you think of it after. Yeah, Absolutely. obviously, Noel and Dean are very similar. Um. In, you know, in, in their style of play, they're both sort of, you know, prefer to be deep, you know, get the ball deep and sort of start moves. Obviously, Noel's a bit more of a ball winner. 
But like, yeah, just apart from Roland, there's nobody really breaking the lines to sort of help out in, in the forward areas. And you know, I don't think Roland had a bad game per se. It's just he's not as technical as Shane would be. It just in terms of his passing ability and, and sort of creating chances, Roland's a bit more of a sort of powerful dribbler. Um, you know, he, he sort of, he did sort of link up decently with, with Timmy on the right hand side. But yeah, I think this this would have been the kind of game where, where Griff might have been able to unlock the defense a little bit. Yeah. You know, find that, that kind of half space to Yeah, exactly. Just kind of find that little bit of space to try the ball through. That, that we can get a goal from. I think that's definitely something that we missed. And, you know, we were obviously saying the whole way through the game, you know, why isn't Shane coming on? Why isn't Shane coming on? Like, it's obviously it makes sense now Do we know after the fact that uh, he, he might have been carrying a knock and that's why he wasn't risked. But, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be back for, for the Galway game because you, you could tell it definitely, definitely missed his presence. Absolutely. And, and like, when you look at that match just against Wexford in terms of getting the ball from the back and working up the pitch, the only two kind of main ones to stand out in my head is Barry got the ball up and brought it up from the kind of left back position. He was kind of floating around midfield for a little bit, um, kind of defensive mid, and kind of worked the ball up to the middle of the pitch, and that ends up kind of amounting to very little. But the other one that kind of stands out in yourselves as well, Giles brought it up from the very back and kind of just started going on an adventure, really kind of up the pitch, and we ended up winning a free from it, which was. We will talk about the free. Would say might have been wasted. That parish to say, I, I can't say anything about the free because of who took it, and there'll be accusations. I'll say it then. It was probably but the Mark, worst free kick I've seen in my entire life. Thank you. Thanks. Um, I felt like I was playing on Sky Sports, but um, nah. It's look. It was that was kind of the only two real chances. Not chances, but the only real two opportunities of the ball getting brought up the pitch from the back that really stood out. I can't think of much more. Um, because like you said. Dean and uh, and Noel, brilliant players, absolutely in their own right. You know they will they're workhorses in that they will kind of get the ball and they will then distribute it quickly, but they distribute it quickly to someone that's close by that is a bit more creative with the ball and can either bring the ball up the pitch or or get a pass up the pitch and into the box or into the wings, which the lads aren't maybe as technical or as you know as a proficient with. Um, so it, you know, it, we did really lack someone in the middle of the pitch, whether it be Barry Bagley or uh, or, or Shane Griffin. Um, that could have actually added a little bit of a spark, I think. Um, I take, I don't know if, if you've seen that, but I take it Dara Power is injured, is he? Is that something? Because uh, as to why he wasn't playing left back, and, and Barry was. He was, is, he was is the there. Right? He wasn't him. on the bench though. I no, he, have to he, check he, him he on the bench. He was there in like the kind of um... tracksuit, was he? Backsuit gear and whatever. He was just kind of there walking around. Uh, must be. He's only back from injury as well, which is a strange one. Un- uh, unless something's still happened, maybe. I don't know. Well, he wasn't, unless I'm misreading this, it looks like he wasn't on the bench for the Bray game either. No. So he must be having some he, kind of a must be, uh, He must be after picking up something or aggravating something again. Um, yeah, must have done because the only natural explanation, really. His presence was missed, not so much for what he did, not to, you know, under undermine him, and um, because in the fairness, him he's well in and putting the shift when he when he's playing, but having him playing in that left back position would have allowed us to have Barry up in the mid, and then either have Dean or Noel playing, um, you know, which could have been very beneficial, just to add that bit of a spark, and then of course you can make the subs going forward if. And we need to take it off and you could throw Barry back down to left back that wouldn't have been an issue you know but it would have been nice to have a trust when we were especially on the back foot 
uh, to try and create a couple of chances, which unfortunately we weren't able to do. Yeah, like obviously we we kind of touched on this a couple of weeks ago, if I remember correctly. We were talking about you know what if something happens to Ryan Burke, you know what. Obviously, he was yeah. luckily he was only a, a one game suspension. He'll be back for the Galway game, but you know, let's just say he he gets injured. You know, what are we supposed to do in that scenario? Oh. You know, keep playing Barry at left back and hope for the best. Throw the dice with one of the young lads. You know, Harry Warren was on the bench. You know, that's someone I would have liked to see brought on. To be honest with you, is Harvey Warren. Um, you don't want to be having to put that kind of pressure on a, on a young that's lad. The other, that's, that's the other. That's the other thing. Is how would he handle? But he did, and the kind of the game that stands out for me with him is the Munster Senior Cup game against Cork out in Ozer. You know, the conditions were anything but helpful. Um, really, really hard conditions. He was playing against a very strong wind. Um, you know, and the fellow was bringing the ball up from the back against you know a much older, more experienced, physical player. And beating the man every time, bringing the ball up the pitch, getting lovely balls into the box. He was the only one getting balls into the box, actually, in fairness, in that game, um, which was a game that we struggled to actually get balls in, into the box and create chances. And he was doing it quite well as one of the younger players in the pitch. So I'd like to see him get his chance, but like you said, it would have been harsh to throw him into that, expecting to win seven games in a row already with a 1 0, uh, already down 1 0. Uh, and expect them to kind of produce something. Yeah, like in reality, like when you know things change in the summer, you'd hope there's a deputy, like a, a full deputy, brought in. Uh, and I think we just need strengthening just kind of across the board. Anyway, um, we do have you know when you look at the bench in the last game in terms of like established senior players, we only had four. You know, who are you calling the four now? The established senior players, yeah. Tom, Thomas, Eddie Nolan, Wasim, Shane Griffin, yeah, sure. All the rest were all you know, just young lads. You know, yeah. that's not really ideal. Now I know obviously Ryan Burke was missing from that. Dara Power was missing from that. Killian Cantwell was missing from that. So you know, those are another three to come in. But you'd still want another couple on there who can maybe try and just do something a little bit different as well and give you more flexibility for rotation. So. Yeah, you know, it's obviously not a long-term concern right this second because obviously Ryan's going to be back on Friday, thankfully. Um, but it's something that's, you know, it's, it's something that's always going to worry me. Not, not having an, a proper deputy in a position is something that's always going to be in the back of my mind. That's always been the case from when I've watched Waterford. They've always, like, it's always, like, everyone's happy to see the young lads on the bench, but then you don't want to ring them on when you're losing and then you're kind of left with, oh, well, we have... Our, our two two of our subs are strikers. We have no real second midfielder yeah. on each other that we can bring on who isn't injured. And then yeah. we have a centre half. Like it's nothing like you really want. Like you have five subs and you you can't use like four of them already because you're just like oh I'm gonna bring them on. So you're kind of like banjacks that way. But like I don't know. Yeah, it's one of them things where it's great to see young academy players on the bench when you have a game like Finn Harps or a game like Cove or you're winning 3 1 or winning 7 1. You know, and it's great to see them on the bench because then you're winning, you have a comfortable lead, you can bring them on for the last 10 minutes to get a few first team minutes into the lads. It's not great when you need a substitution to come on and make an impact. And all of a sudden you have lads that you don't want to put under pressure or maybe can't fully rely on to go out and do the work that's needed, um, given their age or their experience. So. It's, it's kind of a catch-22, really. Um, and you're right enough, Evan, it has been something that's been going on since you know we started following. Um, 
so it, it is an interesting but I think really going forward like you said Adam it's not really a, it, it, I suppose it's, it's not a short term concern because we should have hopefully have Ryan back anyway all going well and touch Woody doesn't pick up at him in the next little while <laughs> before Friday but uh, you know in I think something's definitely going to have to be done in the summer transfer window um, in terms of bringing in experienced players that we can actually rely on should we need a substitute because if you know we were kind of lucky with Galway's result last night against Longford but if things don't go to plan and we don't manage to catch Galway in terms of getting an automatic promotion we end up in the playoffs you know the playoffs we saw it last season it's a long kind of battle just to get to the playoff relegation uh, match you know where we play either you know whoever it is UCD or Cork or whoever it might be you know, just getting there is a very long kind of process that you do need to have a very experienced kind of mentally tough team for it. And, you know, the closest you might get to that kind of idea is the lads having to play, you know, four games in 10 days there. Um, you know, that's the kind of closest that some of these players are to get into that so far. So you don't want them falling at the final hurdle or any of the hurdles along the way in that kind of playoff um, structure. And I don't know if we have the kind of toughness in the team that can actually, you know, fully get through and endure that kind of a structure again. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot of changes in the summer. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see the two lads from Fleetwood, Chris and Barry, end up going back there. As much as, you know, I've enjoyed watching Barry play, mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, Keith's going to want to bring in his own lads and lads who know the league. Obviously, you know, we've all had our different opinions on Chris, you know, and his performances and stuff like that. Um, you know, nothing against the fella. It just seems like it's just not up to scratch for him. Uh, it's just not, you know, whether it's a style of play, whatever it is, because he had a, like, he did have a, a fairly decent output um, when he was at loan at Altrigem. Uh Something like, I think, nine, nine odd goals, maybe four assists, something like that. Last season, okay, he just actually just got their young player of the year, yeah. So, like, there's clearly a good player in there, it's just not working here for you know, whatever reason, whether it's a style of play, whether it's you know, being away from you know, from home or whatever it is. Because you know, he's been at Fleetwood now for a few years now, so he's probably just kind of used to that environment. Maybe stepping away was was a bit much. So, I, I can see him maybe going back in the summer. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Barry follow him again. As much as you know, we've liked Barry, and you know he's he's had put in some good performances. I just wouldn't be surprised if Keith decided let's you know cut these lads out, let's bring in our own fellas who know the league and you know have that bit more of an experienced head, you know, to try and fill out the squad instead. Because obviously, there's going to have to be room for you know we're going to have to make room somewhere for for new people. It's all well and good to say we need to sign such and such a player. But at the end of the day, we're going to need to still make room for them in the squad. There's no point bringing in five or six lads and, you know, we're getting three of them not in the matchday squad every week. So yes. I, I can see if there's going to be anywhere cut, I can I can see the two lads being sent back from loan. Again, not to slate them or anything like that. It's not a personal attack on them. I just think they're the most likely to get cut first. If I'm being truthful, I don't see that happening whatsoever. I think... Andy has the club and he's going to use us as a kind of a loan kind of well like we're it's just a loan like it's a way for them their young lads to get games and I think Barry Bagley I think he should stay I think he's been one he's 
I think he set up the most goals for us this year. I'm not sure about the stats. I think I saw it was six, someone mentioned it was six assists. I think yeah, yes, yes, yeah, six assists. But like, I I obviously want him to stay, but I I don't I don't see them. I'm the go- same. Yeah, I would want. To I stay don't as well. see um them going anywhere. To be honest, um, I feel well, like- I I'm look. I, I'm inclined to agree with Adam Lagarde, and this is going to sound terrible again. Regarding Con Clark to an extent, I don't. And look, it's, it's not in parcel against them again. I've been over his with you. Not in parcel against them. But he's had a couple of, I won't say poor games, but he has had a couple of poor games as well. But he's had a couple of games where I don't think he's been able to show his full potential. And when he has been kind of gelling with the squad a little bit more, um, since kind of working himself back into the team after sending off against Bree in the first game we had against him. I think that, you know, he's kind of coming to that point now where he really either needs to have exceptional performances in the next few games or he will be sent back because it might be there that he is taking up a position that we need to, you know, have to bring in a more experienced player. And to an extent, you know, we kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, when when they had, you know, Chris had a, a rather poor performance and he accused me of hating the man, I kind of alluded to the fact that was it a case under Danny that, you know, we got these two Fleetwood Lonies and they had to be played, regardless of how good or bad the performances were, they had to be played. I Whatever about Danny maybe accepting that and saying, right, well, look, if they have to be played, they have to be played. I can't see Keith doing it or Reynolds. Um, you know, I can see them kind of swiftly telling um, Andy, you know, if that, if that is the case, I'm not saying it is, but if that is the case, I can kind of see them telling Andy, you know, we are the ones with the experience in the league. If you want us to do what we need to do, well, then we need to do what we actually have to do and not just play the players that you want played. And like Evan said, using Waterford as a way to get fleet was young lads' games. Um, but I think, you know, using Waterford as a way to get fleet, fleet was young lads' games is great if they're actually going to play well in the games. But, you know, Barry's kind of proved himself to an extent. I don't think Con Clark has fully, again, not personally against them before you start twisting that. I can kind of see it happening for one, I can see it happening for the other. Um, don't see it happening for the other, I should say. In that I could see Barry potentially staying and maybe Chris not. I don't see it as a case of uh, Keith Long sending them back. I feel like it's a case of Fleetwood are saying Chris isn't having like, the best time over here. Let's give him out to a National League team because we just signed him on mm. a new contract and see what happens then. Like Altrincham, like just look at off Twitter. Altrincham, they, they, I reckon from just seeing what I've seen, like they probably he would have been player of the year if he would have been there the whole, whole. Yeah, they uh, love them. Yeah, yeah, love them. So obviously, it's just not, it's just not worked out for him so far. And yeah, I just, I see them calling him back in the summer. He does, he does preseason with Fleetwood. He goes back out on loan. I, I, I. I Hope Barry says. Um, obviously, if Tom Clark starts scoring goals and he gets comfortable, like I'll, I'll have him. Like he can stay. I, I no hassle with that whatsoever. Like, but I just feel like it just hasn't worked out for him. And like that happens sometimes. You can think of even Premier League players who've gone places and it just hasn't worked out for him at all. Like I was listening to a podcast, another podcast under the cot that I, that I listened to the whole time, and the ex players coming on, they'd be like, "It just didn't work out for me. I just, I just, whatever way it was, just." Look at all the loans Harry Kane was on. Uh-huh. Look at all the loans that Harry Kane was on. Exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. He went on loans loads of places. Leicester, Norwich didn't do anything really. Yeah. So 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely it's definitely a possibility. You know, is he came here and it's hard. You know, he was a young player coming to a new country. You know, with his with his partner, his partner was pregnant at the time. He's about to have his first child. It is his first child, I believe, isn't it? Um, he was having. You know, he that that he had a lot of stuff going on in his life, all kind of at one time piled on top of him. Um, you know, and in fairness, what he done, you know, if he got sent off in every game he played. Still, what he done was commendable to, to go to a new country, you know, with you know having a, a child at the same time, essentially, and playing in a league that he never probably experienced before. It's commendable, you know what I mean? Absolutely. But like you said, it's just one of these things that maybe just didn't work out for him. And there's no harm in that. There's no shame in that. But okay. I think just kind of acknowledging that look, maybe this isn't going to work is the best thing to do. Not saying that he needs to do it now or anything, because in fairness, he has picked up quite well in the last couple. You years. know, I was just about to say he's he's after he's yeah. after performing well, like not like he performed better recently. Yeah. Like he hasn't done that. In fairness, that we need to act that like you know maybe like the earlier games of the season where he got sent off and kind of the majority of the earlier episodes were about Con Clark and his performance. Um, you know, he hasn't actually done that. That warrants us saying send him back to fucking Fleetwood. In fairness, still, but it's just a case of. If Keith decides to bring in more LOI experienced players in the summer to kind of give us that bit of experience and maybe that kind of toughness that we might need to with uh, you know to enjoy playoffs, uh, we need to make cuts in you know to facilitate that. It potentially could be one of the ones to go, and I don't think it's 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 not to be painted in a bad light. To be fair, it could be benef- just as beneficial for himself, um, you know, because it gave him a chance to experience a new league. Whether it was good or bad experience, he experienced the new league. He has another league and team under his belt, and he's able to then go off and kind of flourish again and take what he learned here and implement it elsewhere. Secretarians would love you, Martin, saying the chap came to a new country when he's Northern Irish. Well, playing in a new country, he wasn't playing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was playing in a new country. Tut, 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 not very good. Well, look, <laughs> let's get through the rest of this episode without talking about Chris Con Clark because we seem to talk about him every single just, episode. Martin, Adam, just mind me interjecting there for a second. Uh, uh, Martin, avid supporter of Rangers. So I'm, oh, I'm not. <laughs> leave that there. I'm not. I'm in no way a supporter of any Scottish football team. Um, I didn't know St. Mirren existed until Richard Taylor signed All right, okay. Right. Right. Leave him off. Well, look, just before we wrap up, then I was just obviously going to touch on the sort of thing that happened after the Waterford uh, Wexford game, kind of a bittersweet uh, moment when, when Galway lost away, away to Longford. Bittersweet in a way that, you know, it's good that the gap hasn't been extended because obviously that was everyone's first thought now when we lose to Wexford, Galway are going to win and then the gap's going to get even bigger again. But it does feel a bit bitter in that. You know, it feels like almost like a missed opportunity, you know, to bring it down to four points before we even play them, yeah. um, which is obviously, you know, what we're going to be hoping to do on Friday. So it could have potentially been down to one point, you know, if everything goes, you know, as we hope on Friday. So it feels almost yeah. bittersweet in a way. Yeah, the gap could have been more, but it could have been less. Of course. Like I, I'd be mentioned it last week, you know, when we were looking kind of slightly looking ahead to the Galway matches. We can't depend on other teams to take points off of Galway. You know, we need to be kind of assuming that Galway are going to beat everyone except us and then be clinical in matches against them to make sure that if the Galway are going to lose points, they're definitely losing them against us. That, you know, saying that, that doesn't mean that we 
can't hope for Galway to lose points and drop points to other teams. Um, you know, and when they do drop points to other teams, it is hopefully something that we're able to capitalize on. Unfortunately, in this case, we didn't. Um, you know, and we saw it last night. The uh, it was on. I got the notification straight away. The match started. Wasn't watching it. Three minutes in, I got a notification saying Longford scored. Unbelievable. I thought brilliant. And then I was kind of just waiting there nervously the whole time. Every time I was getting an notification, whether it was a text or an email or a notification from a different match, whatever it might be, I was kind of hope I was expecting to be Galway's after scoring. And at no point was it, to be fair. Um, you know, so it was, it was kind of a case of at the end of it, you know, it's like well, there, there's kind of three points there that we could have closed up on, you know, and brought the gap down, like you said, down to four points. I think if you look at it that way, you know, and I think I think in fairness, that will be kind of the mentality taken by Keith and the team in in that, you know, kind of based on the way Keith has been talking about conceding a couple of goals, you know. We bet we bet long for or Finn Harps, I should say, seven one. And in the post match interview, Keith said, uh, basically said it's a shambles that we conceded the one goal. We shouldn't have done it. We bet Cove three one. And Keith said, you know, again, we shouldn't have been conceding. I don't know that was an appendix, but he said we shouldn't have been conceding the goal. That kind of stuff. So conceding goals that we don't need to concede, especially when we're after winning regardless and we're conceding goals and not keeping the clean sheet. It seems to be something that Keith has a bit of a gripe with. And I think this will be quite similar in that, especially, you know, in training, coming up to this Galway match and maybe in the dressing room, heading out to the Galway match. It's going to be something that will definitely be mentioned to the lads. You know, kind of maybe to get put up is that we should be four points uh, you know, in four point range of these lads, and we're not, we're still in seven because he had a terrible match against Wexford. Um, and I think it'll be something that might the lads might be kicking themselves over. But I think, from a fan's perspective, just to keep ourselves saying, it's basically going to look at it as well, look, the Wexford match then put it like charge it to the game. It's something that happened, it's going to happen, I suppose, after playing that many games that quickly together, and just you know, be thankful that it didn't actually have a an impact going forward to the extent. How do you see the game playing out on Friday? I don't have a clue. <laughs> I don't have a clue. Like, you'd feel like that, you know, they're going to want to play ball at their own ground and they'll put on a bit of a, bit of a performance for their own supporters. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's always that fear that they're just going to do what other teams have been doing and frustrating us this year by, by just... Nicking a goal early and setting up shop. It's always, it's it's always a fear. That's my that's what they did against us the last time attention. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They did it in yeah. the RSC and it worked for them, like so why wouldn't yeah. they do it again? So that's that's my fear. Because I just have no confidence that we can break down a team who sets up like that. Now it could be a different story with Ryan back and we can have Barry back in the midfield. You know, maybe Griff comes in if he's, you know, not injured. You know, maybe maybe we do have you know those players back in our midfield that can break down those teams, but yeah, that's that's certainly my fear. Like our our like best case scenario for Waterford is that Galway come out to play, because if we do, then we can exploit that space and be behind. We like we've shown, Aronan has shown that he's capable of of being that advanced forward on the shoulder of the last defender, getting goals that way. You know, we think of the, the last goal he scored against against Treaty. Just a big ball played over the back, him running onto it, tucking it away one to one on one with the keeper. So that's almost the best case scenario is if Galway come out and play. Because if they don't, we could be in for a frustrating night. Yeah, I think it'll definitely be an interesting one in that, you know, if Galway were coming off a win, you know, if Galway had a win against um 
Longford last night, they would have been equal in the record for the most consecutive wins in the league ever, uh, which was 12. And then at that point, they would have been playing us looking to set a new league record of 13 wins in, uh, in a row. I think it definitely would have been a case of get an early goal, close up shop, part of us, and just frustrate the life of the water, especially on a you know on home ground with going to be a fair there'll probably be a lot of Waterford fans but what I imagine is going to be a solo game full of Galway fans um, you know it would have been easy for him to do it uh, you know and they would have had kind of motivation to do it extend the lead uh, you know set a new record for the league that kind of thing I think having them after losing it could really kind of change things going forward in that of course, we are going to want to kind of go out and maybe have a little bit of a bone to pick or a point to prove in that we lost against Wexford. We're now playing, you know, going from playing the team that was seventh in the league to the team that's first in the league. We want to beat them. And the lads could play unbelievable football. And like you said, we'd have some players back, Ryan Burke, you know, allowing Barry back into the middle, things like that. Um, but at the same time, it, Galway could almost come out now with a point to prove as well. And I think that could make for a very, very exciting football. Whether that'll be the case and that'll happen or not is a different story. Um, so I think it really, from you know, for me, how I kind of see the match going is that I think it's, it's a lot about kind of the mindset of the players and the teams have gone out in how they're going to approach the match. Will they be kind of tactical and clinical and just take their chance and then park the bus and kind of close up shop and just see out a one nil uh, win or two nil win, or will they just kind of attack and play proper attack in football, almost with kind of a bone to pick or a point to prove? And you know, play exciting football and actually just go for it, and then see who uh, ends up winning out of that one. I don't think we know because we don't know what way the managers are viewing the losses. We don't know really what way the players are viewing the losses that they're just both suffered to much lower teams that they played. But I think it could either be a very exciting match or a very boring and frustrating match, depending on what team you support. I think Galway much rather be the latter one there. That's just how they play, really, against big teams. Um, I think. The only way they're going to score is a set piece, which I mentioned in the first game. That's the is what they're the best at. Um, you'd expect that under Caulfield and Horrigan. Um, another thing I just wanted to say, lads, if Cantwell's back fit, I know Dean Larkins had a great couple of games, and I know Eddie Owens there as well. Who do you have as the second centre half, lads? Do you leave Dean in for the fourth game in a row, who's been playing very well, just putting out there, he's been playing excellent, or do you just... Big fan of Dean, you are, like it's similar to the conversation we had when we were wondering when Killian was going to come back in. You know, do we just shift Killian? You know, at the start of the season, I mean, you know, do we just shift Killian back in, or do we leave Eddie Nolan keep playing because he, again there was no reason to to drop him? And uh, I don't think Dean's given a reason to drop either. Um, I'd say we'll probably go with the experience of Killian. Uh, it kind of makes more sense. Um, but I I I wouldn't be surprised to see Dean continue. Keith obviously likes him. You know, he's been playing a lot since Keith came in. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised uh, if if Dean keeps his place, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we just went with the experience. I wouldn't be surprised if they just turned an aerial presence back there, like Eddie Nolan, just for set pieces. That'd be another thing. But you're kind of throwing him, you're kind of throwing him in, kind of half cold. Then who has he hasn't started a game in a while, but he's kind of he's he's come on every game, I think. If I'm not mistaken. Not every game. I don't think he. I can't. I don't remember coming on against. Definitely Bray, come anyway. on the last two anyway. Did, did he come on against Bray? Yeah, I was. Yeah, no, actually, come on in. Let me just check here. I have them all. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know it was a match. And game he came on. on against Wexford. Don't know, but there are, don't, I don't have the other stats in front of me here, but he definitely came on against Bray and Wexford. Uh, he didn't come on against that loan. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. But Jane Ferris is, he did come on the last three games. But I don't know. It, it, like, again, do we know why Killian was out? Is it an injury? The flu is what I was, was what I heard. Yeah. That he had the flu. So, like, allowing he's back and he's fit um, on Friday, I think Killian and Giles is probably the partnership I'd like most. Not, again, not undermining Dean. Dean has played fantastic, to be fair to him, but I was quite nervous of Dean always playing. Not that I've had against him, brilliant player, but he's just sometimes seems a little bit jumpy on the ball. And he's really, I think, settled into it now and kind of became a, a fantastic player this season. And I think a lot of that is down to Keith giving him a lot of game time in a couple of different positions. Um, so I have nothing against Dean if Dean is starting I don't mind it whatsoever I think I'd be a little bit more comfortable personally with Killian and Giles starting um, but I think if they're kind of looking for experience I could see Eddie being thrown in over Dean if Killian's not fully fit but I think if Killian's fully fit it'll be a case of I think Killian starting and then maybe Dean coming on if for, we need you know, a, you know, a, a substitute in that position um, the worst case scenario. I could see Dean potentially coming on in the midfield as well if Shane isn't fully ready, um, and things maybe aren't going too well for the midfield at that match. Because I can, like you said, I can see similar against Wexford, the midfield getting very frustrated trying to get balls and, and work attacks into the game. And um, so I could see maybe potentially Dean being brought on just if we need to try and defend anything or if we need to try and add something extra to the game. But like Killian, I think would be my preference anyway. In that position, right? We'll wrap it up there, lads. Uh, we'll be back obviously this time next week, uh, where we're going to talk about what happens in this uh, Galway game uh, alongside anything else that comes up in the meantime. Hopefully, there won't be any bad news in the meantime. Um, uh, we'll leave it there, lads. Uh, once again, up to blues. <laughs>